Welcome to another episode of Talk to Tatiana. And today, this is Tatiana Sawyer. I'm talking to Chris Picuro. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I'll confess that I also listen to the show. I've <laughs> been very entertained by the episodes, especially the ones about pissing off your accountant. That's what we're here to do, uh, because there's a lot of accountants. Accounting and enrollment is falling, which means that there's going to be less and less professionals doing what needs to be done. And so uh, we're kind of bringing life back into accounting profession and also making it fun for everybody else to listen in. So uh, before we dive into kind of how to piss off your accountant, talk a little bit about what you do, where you are, what your specialty is. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here. It's always an honor to speak to the accounting community. Uh, I currently reside with my family in historic Franklin, Tennessee. For those of you that don't know, we're about 15 miles south of Nashville. And we've been here for seven years. I grew up just northeast of Detroit in Mount Clemens, Michigan, which became Clinton Township. Uh, so I spent about 40 years there. And we, we my wife and I decided that um, that we wanted to find the best place in America uh, to raise our children. And we feel like we did. We love it here in Franklin. Um, tying back into our subject here, because I've been in practice for over 20 years. And because we were able to niche down into a specific industry and change how we operate our practice, that really enabled me from being someone that happened to have clients based on my geographic location to collecting a great um, book of clients based on our industry specialization. So yep, we're here in Nashville. Uh, love it here. Um, and, and also, so our, our CPA practice, our private CPA practice um, is made up of real estate investors and some entrepreneurs. And like yourself, subscription based on the private practice, focused on tax planning and strategy. Um, now, it hasn't always been that like that. We've been, a, we've been this way for about eight years. So First, about 12 years, I collected a lot of information about getting pissed off about certain situations with clients. And that really led me, though, to take my life back and make sure that I'm there for my children. I'm there for my clients and I feel fulfilled with what I'm doing. I love it. Um, that's exactly how it should be. I think there's too many accountants who are killing themselves for clients who would switch over to somebody else in a heartbeat and um happy to hear that you've made that switch that's awesome and um so your specialty is real estate investors and, and entrepreneurs is that absolutely. right absolutely most of our clients i would say 90 percent, are real estate investors uh some of them are also entrepreneurs typically they've had an event where where they either uh, were an executive or had a successful business and a lot of times they're looking for some uh, some real estate and some alternative ways to grow wealth in a tax-friendly way. And sometimes they, the real estate takes over and they sell their business. Uh, but then sometimes we have some entrepreneurs that are looking to get into real estate. And um, it, so, yeah, pretty much, but mostly I would say real estate investors. Typically, our, our avatar is going to be someone that has been investing for a year or two already and has a small portfolio and really looking to grow it. Awesome. Love it. And okay, cool. So let's dive into the what, how to piss off your accountant. And so I'm curious to know, you know, I we talked a little bit uh, before the show started, and uh, you mentioned that you don't have much of those issues that most accountants face, right? But 
but at the same time, you've ran your practice for 12 years before you've switched over. So let's talk about something that really pisses, pisses you off or pisses you off now the client when clients do. Exactly. And if it weren't for the things we're going to talk about, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, I might have a hairdo still, but that's all right. Um, I would say the probably the biggest thing that pisses accountants off is clients not understanding that tax planning and strategy is separate than tax preparation. Those are completely separate value propositions. And they're, and they're not, and, and as accountants, we can't let the lack of planning and lack of strategy uh, upset us that, like we did something wrong. You know, if someone comes in with their source doc, well, hopefully they're uploading to the portal. If you listen to the pod, couple podcasts, go, which we are all virtual as well. But hopefully once they submit their documents to you and they have a certain amount of result uh, on the tax return, if they're upset at you or you, you even think to take it personally when they did no tax planning or strategy, don't feel like that. And unfortunately, I feel like the accounting community does feel that way. Uh, and then at that point, there are a few things you could do post year end, but ultimately the hay, the, you know, the hay is in the barn, but that really pisses me off uh, when, when we have that situation. And again, fortunately on our private CPA practice side, we don't, but I think a lot of accountants come in and they feel bad for clients. Like they owe all this money. Uh, a great example that happens as well. I sold, you know, I sold this property. And, um, but don't worry, I, I, I did a 1031 exchange, but, but I did my exchange. I just paid off my mortgage. It's like, no, that doesn't work. Okay. Paying off debt. I'm not saying it's a bad thing is not a tax deduction. <laughs> oh my God. That's a good one. Um, I agree totally. That's, that sounds, it actually is funny, right? If you think about it, people do think that way. Right. And also with the 1031, your accountant has to be involved. Doesn't he or she? Absolutely. The accountant should be notified immediately when you're even thinking about doing a 1031 exchange, and then you bring in a qualified intermediary to assist with that exchange. But again, now, here, now I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole because some people think I can just do my own 1031 exchange. You know, I, did, I personally did a 1031 exchange last year, and I could never take custody of those assets, <laughs> excuse me, or else it would, it, I would lose my tax deferral. <laughs> Yeah, but people try to do that all the time. The stuff that sometimes that people ask me, I mean, thank God they ask. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, it used to be that people would do stuff. And then after the fact, they would tell you, oh, by the way, um, I had a client just last year, I think. Um, I saw a picture of her on Facebook, I think, or something uh, that she like gave birth to a new baby. This was like March or something or February. Mm -hmm. Um or no, 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 no. That was actually like, uh, you know, a new baby, new infant, whatever. And I was like, when was he born? And she said, oh, uh, last year, November. And I'm like, when were you going to tell me about this? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And and that's where, you know, the old school way of, it used to piss us off and we'd print out those stupid organizers and mail them out to everyone. And I know, come back blank. But we, I mean, we use an online organizer and we've designed it to be 10 minutes or less. And just picking up on those big things. But we've had, we had in one incident where someone had a dependent after the fact that the worker was filed <laughs> and didn't put it on their organizer. Or a good one is, well, I, I think another thing that would piss us off, pisses us off, which I think is that taxpayers assume that you and I, now, do we have a practitioner line to the IRS? Sure, but we get hung up on too. That we, we know everything that happened. We know every quarterly estimate they made. I wish we did, 
<laughs> but we don't have a crystal ball. We may have set you up with quarterlies, but we don't know when you paid them or when you didn't. That that kind of honks me off too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, typically in my practice, we make the payments because the concierge service. So we make the payments for the clients usually mm-hmm. with their permission. But um, you know, because we have access to all the accounts and stuff, so it's no brainer. But but yeah, it's actually interesting. I've had clients a number of times who. Um, get a refund. And then they're like, why did we get a, a big refund? And I'm like, did you tell me that you made a payment? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Well, that's your answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank goodness. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, there's something else that pissed me off. Thank goodness we don't have to deal with it now. And, and a lot of our clients didn't really ob- obtain this, but that advanced child tax credit was a pain <laughs> in the rear. If, if I have to reconcile any, you know, that was just awful. That was awful. Any economic impact payments. It yeah. was a nightmare. Yeah, it was a nightmare. And I'm so glad that this year was over. Because <laughs> people people were like, yeah, we got it. And then other people were like, yeah, we didn't get it. And then they were like, why was my refund lower? And I'm like, oh, my God. If I have to do this for every client. I mean, thankfully, I don't have a lot of clients. I don't know if you know this, but on average, there is 900. As of, this is as of nine years ago. This is data from nine years ago. But there's an average of 916 tax clients per accounting firm, including one person firms. Wow. Um, right. I work with about 45. Um, but the idea is that if you're one of 916, like <laughs> imagine having to deal with all of that. I mean, that is not, and that's kind of ties into that. We don't have a bat phone to the IRS. We can't just, and, and now obviously concierge service, you might be able to log into their account, but in general, if you tell me you received your economic impact payments, I, you know, we need we need to know that. Uh, but I'm just happy that's gone, um, you know. And and the, I have another one though. Um, it's kind of a cousin of that. When clients don't understand that taking a subsidy for their health insurance is something you might actually pay oh. back. <clears throat> and uh, I had one incident, and again, ninety nine percent of our clients are not getting a health insurance subsidy. But in general, I had one client that I don't know why she didn't call, but she went to her to get health insurance and the uh, she's an S corp, took a modest salary, reasonable compensation, of course, but that wasn't that much. And uh, the health insurance advisor told her, well, it's based on your W-2 wages, not your K-1. And holy moly, she owed back $18,000 um, of subsidy. <laughs> and excuse me, we tried what we could, we, we ended up getting that down a little bit by doing some, some post-year on planning with cost segregation studies and stuff. But again, same situation. Um, <laughs> it's not free money necessarily. Yeah. And I wish, you know, I wish we could explain it. I feel like, you know, it's on, it's on us as accountants to explain it to people, but at the same time, sometimes they don't want to ask. And so we don't have an opportunity to explain. Mm-hmm. And they apply for these uh, for these things based on prior years numbers, right? And then I've had, I mean, I also don't have a lot of clients, but I also have clients who have, let's say, you know, a partner who's unmarried partner in the home with kids and she applies for the health insurance and she doesn't know any better. And then they have to pay back thousands mm-hmm. of dollars in health insurance um, subsidy. It's, uh, it's crazy. Oh, can I throw? I got another one. Here's, here's a good one. <laughs> Let's do it. I think 
when you don't know if you should be claiming a dependent or not, let's say you have a divorced couple or an unmarried couple with children and you're like, uh, well, even, you know, even years I do this, odd years I do that. Now, obviously, if it's a client that you've had for a long time and you're, you know, the proper onboarding procedures, you're going to ask for that documentation and review returns, prior year returns. But that one is always like, oh, well, it's like, a you know, or, or when a client's return gets rejected because the the uh, other parent claimed that you the child behind their back, but they think you've done something wrong. It's like, uh, what do we <laughs> You can't file a return with two social security numbers the same, uh, depending. So. <laughs> I think it, it goes back down to the this most basic concept of the fact that as a taxpayer, taxes are ultimately your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes I tell clients, I was like, yes, if I was a personal trainer, you can come in and I, we could work out. But if you go home and eat 50 Snicker bars, you've just thrown away everything we just did. Uh, you know, I could still be your buddy, but you're not going to get the results. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> yes, taxpayers are ultimately responsible. And, and again, you have a concierge service, so you, you do a lot for your clients, but they still are responsible for um, you know, ultimately making financial decisions and uh, so, yeah, I, gosh, I'm just thinking now there are so many good ones with about vehicles and, and oh. like, how many times you, you would, would an accountant have a client come in? Yeah, I bought a new car. My payment's 400 bucks a month. Okay, great. Did you trade one in? Did you, did you, you know, but, uh, you know, I paid cash for it. So is that, a, now we got bonus depreciation, but, you know, one of the things we teach is tax flow and cash flow are different things, but. I love it when you get a payment on a vehicle and that's all. It's like, <laughs> great. Thank you. Uh, it drives me absolutely crazy. And also like people, like I have one client like that who is very um, jumpy, mm-hmm. not like, you know, not like in a bad way, but jumpy, like very decisive, very like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. Let's move forward. And, uh, oh, I need a new truck. Okay. Um, just went and bought a new truck. And like two weeks later, I find out that he bought a new truck. And I'm like, well, you already mm-hmm. like we've been working together for five years. Like, why are you not sending me the closing document? Um, you know, the purchase agreement or whatever with the uh, sales price, the financing, mm-hmm. all of that, because we, you would, we don't deduct the payments, we deduct the full amount. And depending on what it was and how and everything, do we have an ad back? If it's an SUV, do we have this or that? Like, is it a lease? Is it a finance? Like all kinds of questions like that people don't even think about. It drives me absolutely crazy. Like this one guy, but he's, you know, he's a great client. So kind of um, have to teach him and have to remind him, which, you know, which is fine. I, I'm a concierge accountant, so I get compensated for that babysitting, so to speak. But it's kind of like babysitting, right? People do this type of stuff and and just go and buy and on their business and they don't put it on commercial plates or, you know, whatever, like all kinds of stuff like that. Right. Yes. The, the classic one is, well, um, my butt, well, this kind of, I call it t- getting tax advice from the bar stool. You know, my buddy deducted, uh, my buddy's wife deducted the cost of her nails. I'm like, okay, good for her. I guess. Have you looked at their tax return or that doesn't make it right? <laughs> um, it may be, you know, who knows? Maybe she's a, maybe she's a nail model. Maybe she's a hand model and she could deduct it. I don't know, but you know, when I, these guys, I don't know if you've had those situations, maybe not the name. I just made that one up, but I'm just saying that the, the, 
you know, if I've got a client that golfs, I never call them after 3 p.m. because I guarantee you they're out golfing with their friends and discussing what tax deductions they came up with. Oh, man. (laughs) You know what? What really pisses me off? Although it doesn't happen happen often, um, happens every once in a while. But like uh, most of my clients follow me on Instagram and then they would send me a video from another accountant on Instagram. Are we doing this? And I'm supposed to like, what am I supposed to do? Like spend an hour of my time watching this video so that I can give you? No, <laughs> like you got to pay for that. Like, and trust me, and this one, this is the same guy, by the way, with the, with the cars and the trucks. He's like sending me stuff on Instagram. I'm like, listen, the fact that I didn't offer it to you means that I've already thought about it and it doesn't apply to you right now. Once it applies to you in the future, then we'll talk about it. <laughs> That happened to, that's happened to me a couple times. Um, and sometimes it's just, it depends on the person, you know, but if, but if it's habitual, then I just have to say, look, you obviously don't trust us. So maybe you should, you know, we're not the best fit, but you don't, I mean, we don't want to be in the business of losing clients, but that does upset you. Or the better one is, <laughs> Hey, go pay your kids, uh, <clears throat> you know, to, to do nothing. And, and now we do have clients income shifting to family members is a strategy we use if it's legitimate work. And we do have people that have children that do legitimate work. But the best one is when your client does something like that. And then you say, yeah, we talked about that six months ago. You didn't want to do it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. So (laughs) that's all right. But uh, yes, I, I agree. A lot of these that was social media, there's a lot of tax advice and that's probably number one on my list. We, and we have a proprietary process, but we, we go through a process of diagnosing a client situation, prescribing a strategy, and then implementing. Well, a lot of the number one thing that would, would piss me off is people wanting a prescription or getting a prescription from someone that's never done the diagnosis. And, and your clients and our clients pretty much know we're diagnosing them all the time um, as far as from a tax perspective. But, you know... Actually, I have another one now. I'm kind of on a roll. This one, <laughs> we've pretty much weeded out. But have, how about the people that call to get a status of their tax return, but haven't submitted their documents or, or done or all their documents? Like, I will tell, trust me, the last thing I want is your tax return in, in my task, on my task list. We would love for this to be done. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't get that a lot. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, my firm, we work with a very small number of clients because we don't want the client to be one of 900. We want them to be one of 50 or max. And there is a reason for it. But the idea is that uh, for the tax return stuff, like, you know, I don't know what you use for practice management. I happen to use um, the one that has a lot of automations and especially the one that has automations like when you like pipelines, the one that says like, oh, um, not started moving into prep, it sends an email to the client saying your return is in prep. I don't want them to know that it's in prep. I don't right. want them to know when I'm working on it because I don't want them sending me messages saying uh, different things. You know, like I already have everything. You know, we are a concierge firm. We have access to the majority of information, especially for business. Um, and so we don't want to ask for extra stuff. And we also don't want to don't want you to bother us. And people don't want to be bothered either because when they see a message like, "Oh, your accountant sent your message," they're like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" <laughs> right. I mean, we're not Domino's Pizza. You don't need a status every time a <laughs> topping gets added. You know, 
I know. So in our practice, we're, we have, you know, at the, at my largest point of practice, we're at about 8% of the amount of clients that we had at that point. We're very boutique also. So a lot of these things we don't run into. And what we set is an expectation. I mean, our expectation is 10 business days turnaround from the time we have all of the documents in an orderly fashion. Um, that's pretty aggressive, but we, but we've realized the hardest part of the tax preparation side is just getting the information and then we can organize it and, and pop it in. But, um, I agree with you. You, you don't necessarily want your client to know you want, maybe you want them to know that it's in the queue, but they don't need to know every like, Hey, schedule C has been updated. Like, and then they're like, Oh gosh, where am I at? Yeah. They don't need the, and honestly, like most of my concierge clients, they don't really care. You know, they're, they got lucky because I'm someone who's a very high ethical standards and they trust me completely. And I, you know, I take that trust very seriously, but and most CPAs are that way. But, you know, of course there's bad apples everywhere, but um, they just, they don't really care. They trust me. They know what's going on. I urge everybody to review your tax return because you are the one responsible. I explain everything we do. And I think that's what's been helpful. I don't know what your experience has been, but for me, explaining kind of why we, we have what we have. Typically, I don't know about you, but we typically have, and this is my personal choice or I guess desire, I don't want to have a situation where a client in March gets surprised by a tax bill. So we typically do strategic reviews throughout the year together where we make we make the payments for the clients usually um, and we review where they are so that when tax time comes, it's the culmination of a year's worth of work when we just file and there's maybe a little balance due, a little overpayment kind of here and there, you know, obviously not considering something like the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. when some of my clients were getting like fifty, seventy thousand dollars refunds because they've paid up um to have, you know, money uh for the year, but then their business like really went down and and they ended up not paying. But um tell us a little bit about that experience in your firm. <laughs> Absolutely. Excuse me. Well, one of the things we teach is that your tax return is a verb and not a noun. And once you have that mentality, then it, it gets easy. I would agree 100%. The reason we don't even use I'm stuck, the B word. We don't use busy season. We don't use the D word, done, D-O-N-E, meaning those are four-letter words in our practice. Your tax return is never, it's not done. It's completed. <laughs> But it's going on all year round, just like you're saying. So what happens is when someone only addresses their tax return situation at one time, it, it creates stress for them. And then they deflect that stress onto the preparer and it sends us over that. So that's why we don't have enough people coming into their profession. We need more people coming into this profession. Um, but so we try to do that as well. It's, it's the unknown. Like uh, if a client oh, in March knows they owe $50,000, that's okay. They just need to know that. And they might be happy. They might be sad. They may, But we have already addressed what they could do, what they should, you know, how to handle it, what their options are. So that really is what's most important. And we focus on that as well. So yeah, I, unrealistic, I mean, when someone doesn't know where they're at, that's, that's, that creates stress and it could be a bad thing or it could be a good thing. And that's good that you're Focusing on that because I can't fix, I could fix a lot of stuff in advance, but you can't fix everything after the fact. Uh, yeah. So, and yeah. it does take cooperation. 
you were talking about how little prepares we have per per taxpayers and we really look at our clients as a partnership it's a in and not a vendor relationship they're part there are partners we're their partners um and that's what i you know that's been really good but it wasn't always like that which led me to all these things that piss us off and that's all right <laughs> though uh, but yeah and kind of one thing that would piss people off is the exact opposite of what you do for your clients is clients that have unrealistic expectations. And that could be that you could magically get rid of their tax if no matter what, or that you can, they could drop their, well, they shouldn't be dropping their stuff. They, sub, they upload their stuff in your portal and three hours later it's done or just any type of unrealistic expectation is and we enable that you know so yeah. you as a as a tax preparer community you need to figure out if you we have a formal process for bringing on potential new clients and we did pause on new clients all of 2022 pretty much we're only going to bring on 20 this year um, which would be you know for our size firms not that many but uh, what i'm trying to do is i'm figuring out what are the things that are going to piss me off with this person before they can piss you off? Yes. Yes. And that's the discovery meeting. Um, and it's really a two way interview. I absolutely agree with that. I think for me, that has been the number one thing where I talk to clients and I've certainly, you know, made obviously made some mistakes in the past where I've onboarded clients who, um, and for me, the, the, this is the red flag. I don't know if you agree with it or not, but for me, the red flag is when the client, potential client just wants to jump in and they're like, I'm ready to start my life over. I'm ready to nail the financials. I'm ready to understand everything. I'm ready to do this. Let's do it. Whatever it costs, let's do it. I've had two clients like that and it didn't end well, meaning um, I had to part ways with them. Actually, three clients like that uh, because they were ready to jump in, but they actually were not ready to actually do the work. Mm -hmm. um, it's not me doing all the stuff for you. You know, there is for concierge service, some things, but when you're running a business, for example, which is my specialty, I only work with business owners and then their personal taxes and stuff, but, um, I can't fix your business. You have to be coachable. You have to actually implement what I tell you. Um, if you don't, I can lead you to, to water, but I can't force you to drink. And so I've had, you know, those situations where I led them to water, but, uh, they didn't want to drink, and then they blamed me for for not mm -hmm. leading them to the water. <laughs> and I would bet those clients, when they when you did the discovery meeting, they were probably pointing fingers at other people coming into yes. it. So, yes. so if they're in a bad situation, what I'm what I'm trying to listen, what I'm always listening for is why are we talking? Why why are you coming to me? Is it like the, I I did a discovery meeting earlier today uh, or the day we're recording this, and it was. I grew out of my accountant, my CPA. I bought, you know, I bought four vacation rental properties over the last two years. They said that here's the draft of my return, but they, they're not confident in it. I'm not kidding you. I found over $100,000 of their tax benefit, over $450,000 worth of cost segregation study. These people are rep status over 21. He, he had the sense to not file 21, even though he's late and he's going to have a refund in 21 and 22. That kind of person... You nailed it. Coachable appreciates our knowledge and our expertise because they've now, if he came in here, my accountant doesn't know anything. And I did this, <laughs> I did that. They, I'm in them also very quiet. I, you know, I slide into the question of how do you keep a track of all these rental properties? 
Do they like, oh, I, you know, I need QBO. I need, I need Stessa, which is a software specific to rentals. I need quality spreadsheets. I need something. Um, <laughs> or else no, no deals. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, last one of the last things that I want to ask, or I guess throw at you a little bit, you know, uh, enrollment in accounting is um, really down, which you know, which is a concern. And so, you know, it's interesting. I don't know about your firm. I'd be curious to learn because mine is certainly different. Um, I had a conversation with somebody over LinkedIn this morning, and I asked them. I didn't ask them, but we just had a conversation. He mentioned something like, you know, right now it's the hardest, the biggest challenge in my firm is that finding the right staff or qualified staff or something. And I'm like, yeah, you know, cause if accounting enrollment is falling, nobody wants to, the new generation doesn't want to slave for an accounting firm, even for the name, even for the big firms, they don't want to do that because it's, it's slavery. It's like, um, you're working 24 uh, seven, you kill your health and for what? And, um, I mean, I didn't tell him all of that, but anyway, he said, oh, you know, I had a bright star and then her husband started being weird. That's the word he used, uh, started being weird. Cause he didn't want her to work so much on the weekends and the nights. I'm like, listen, I'm with her on this one and with her husband mm-hmm. too. <laughs> I would say that. So I would agree. Our biggest challenge is, uh, is, is staffing and capacity. We are, so that's why we really put the brakes on. We are working on at least for us, we're working on really trying to find younger people and new to the profession, maybe not even younger, but just someone newer to the profession and help coach them on our proprietary tax planning and strategy processes so that they could take on some of that capacity. Uh, and and it, it's, ta- I mean, we're in such a, it's so easy to compete once you find your niche. Like once you, fi- and I know you have a very boutique, we're only six people in our practice or six people on our team right now, maybe seven. Uh, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm not counting, but, um, but so it's much hard. So we're very particular about clients and, um, but it's hard to develop people. And I think as a, you know, as we're CPAs, I I think we need to get out to the younger people and understand like how dynamic our jobs are. My kids, when they were young, probably thought I sat behind a desk with a pencil protector all all day. (laughs) I, I'm like you, but we are working with high um, achieving people, making a huge difference in their life and helping them reduce legally and ethically the tax they pay in their lifetime. And not only that, but enabling them to pursue other things and, and be their counselor and be their partner. That's fulfilling. Um, And I think that if younger people saw that more, that, that, that would be great. And, so it, it's tough. You know, I am worried about our profession and, um, but I hope that I do have some hope. I mean, I've met some younger people I'm involved with, uh, my home state of former home state of Michigan and in here in Tennessee and both, uh, state CPA societies on attracting younger people and, and figuring that out. And, you know, I know we may, maybe there's, you know, some type of, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I wish I had it. I've got some ideas, but we do need more people in this profession. It, I promise you, yet it's a stink a little bit in the beginning, maybe, <laughs> but we also need to have a better work-life balance. And, and, and I think that bringing the younger people into those client relationships, not that they're going to run the meeting, but understanding the why they're doing something really helps them feel like, okay, what I'm doing makes a difference. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as we wrap up here today, um, share. I mean, of course, the links of the, to connect with you will be posted under uh, this video if you're watching on YouTube or in the show notes if you're listening on on the podcast on the audio podcast. But uh, what's the best way? What's the one best way to connect with uh, with you? Is it email? Is it website? The best way would be to jump into our private Facebook group. It's called Defeating Taxes. If you're on Facebook, you just go to, to defeatingtaxes.com. It's a private group, but answer a couple questions. Make sure you're not a jerk and jump in. We've got a lot of cool resources. Um, that right there is a community that we're in the process of building up. And I'm one of the moderators and I'm there quite a bit. Or you could just, if you Google teaching tax flow, we'll come up all over the place. We've got a... Uh, or teachingtaxflow.com. There's links to, to all of our stuff, all of our social media. Um, really, with when someone's coming into our our community, I like to have them start with just the free content. So you know, the, the Defeating Taxes Facebook group, uh, some of our social media content, and then our podcast, Teaching Tax Flow. That's the best way to find us and myself. Awesome. awesome. And uh, the last question I want to ask you, I usually ask all of my guests, it's if you could go back in time and tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? That, I love this question. Last time someone asked me this, I was on live on a podcast and I actually puddled up. So and a good <laughs> thing I wasn't on video. But my answer is the same. Trust yourself. Always trust your gut. Understand that if you want to see your future, look around you. Who are you hanging around? Who are you pouring your time, your talents, and your energy into? And those relationships are very important. But always trust your gut instincts and, um, and don't wait. You know, don't be super impulsive, but don't wait on the sidelines. Get out there and play. Awesome. I love it. All right. Thanks so much, Chris, for, for being on the show. It's been a great pleasure to talk uh, about the geeky tech stuff that pisses us off as accountants. It's been really a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. It's an honor and have a great rest of the day. All right. And for those of you who are watching or listening, uh, thanks for being here for this great episode of Talks to Satyana, and I hope to see you next week.